It's Thursday and another episode of the Chad Prather Show, a milestone episode, I might add, because this is the Bon Voyage episode for Mark Tate, the puppet master, mm. will no longer be driving us into the nether regions of all things insanity. Oh, no. Unless he quits that next job and comes right back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been known to sabotage people's careers, get them back. Mark, uh, thank you, buddy, for all these years, and uh, you've done a heck of a job. As I said on Tuesday, I wish we could have done a compilation video of all the insightful things Mark said over the last five years, but he didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) He really, really hasn't said anything, but uh, uh, Mark, I appreciate you, man, and uh, wish you nothing but the biggest and the best going forward with uh, what's in store in the days ahead, so God bless you, man, and uh, thank you and yeah it's good stuff good stuff there's none better so the um it's been good i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry this is i mean this is a little dangerous having mark the puppet master leading this thing and Uh, having him gone gone this is gonna go very poorly (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate that prophecy um yeah well we'll see we'll see who's next again like i said the other day people think I'm toxic because everybody's always leaving me. You know, we just run everybody off. They're not wrong. (laughs) They're not wrong. Yes, they are. People do leave me. People do leave me. I am a strong personality. I know how I want things to be done. Mm -hmm. I'm not always the best person when it comes to human relations. Mm -hmm. I'm not because I'm very direct in regards to that. I get in trouble for that too. And uh, I also like to have a good time. I have fun. And not everybody's fun-centric. This is why we get along so well. I know. This is, this is why you're my best friend. Well, people don't have a lot of chill, right? And, right. They, and with me, it's people could get, and this has nothing to do with Mark, of course. Mark's been great. Uh, Mark's not easily offended. No. <laughs> I don't know. that. It, listen, Which is why it took him so long to finally leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do have people who, who, they don't know how to take me. Right. The chaos that surrounds my life. And I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you. Um, I'm not an easy person to have a relationship with on any level mm. because I don't sit still. That's I true. do not sit still. And, and the people around me, I tend to drive crazy because it's always this hustle. But, um, but no, Mark, Mark's, Mark's great because Mark just puts his head down and goes to work and he does it with excellence. Mm-hmm. That's why I've always called him the puppet master, the mm-hmm. perfectionist, because he does it with excellence. And that's hard to find these days. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Great. Thanks for screwing us over, Mark. Appreciate you leaving, Mark. <laughs> Appreciate you. He, you we, he's irreplaceable, I can tell you that. And uh, and uh, favorite person, Kayla, she'll probably sit in that chair for a little while until we figure mm-hmm. out who's next. Who's next? But, you know. You might, we might offend her pretty quickly. We'll Lisa, see. Nah. She's okay No, with I'm me. kidding. She's, she's, she, she's chill. She's learned to deal with me. Hey, you know, what? another thing that people don't a lot of times realize is how many people on the production side of things in, quote, conservative media aren't conservatives. Mm. There's a lot out there. Present company notwithstanding. I, you know, Mark, I don't know. Like, for instance, I don't, you and I have never really talked about. Mark's where, political leanings. Where you stand yeah. politically on anything. I've never, I've never, Brandon and I have never talked about it. Yeah. You know, Chris sometimes will tell me things, but I don't know what Chris is talking about. I don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> Um, is he even speaking English? We don't know. You know, other people that have worked in, in the production side of things. Because, again, I, I'm the kind of person that in my personal life, 
I want to kind of leave that mystery alone. You want to talk about it, we'll talk about it, but kind of leave that mystery alone. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that drives me crazy is when I have people who meet me and they immediately want to start talking politics on a personal level and they come up and they're like, hey, let me ask you a question. That's the worst. And then they ask it and then as you start to answer it, they start talking over you because and I've learned that I've said, I'll say to people, I was like, you didn't want to ask me a question. You just want to tell me what you thought on a topic. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just tell me what you Mm -hmm. think? Mm-hmm. We're going from there because in my personal life, I don't want to sit around debating all the time. Right. You know, right. Right. I, I don't want to do all that. So like any of the production staff around here, I don't know that I've ever had a conversation. I mean, my God, I traveled for years on the road with bougie Sean. Yeah. And me and Sean never talked about it. Yeah. We talked about fried chicken. I mean, and hot wings. So do you, whenever you, you're at airports quite frequently with uh-huh. your line of work, you're sitting at an airport bar. I know you're striking up a conversation with people because that's what you do. I'll tell you how it's, much I'm at the I do airport. Too. I don't care if I'm in DFW or Houston. When I walk through there, the bartenders wave at me. And they're like, you drinking today? And they got my they got my tequila soda waiting when I pull up there. So but, They know me by name. They're, some of them are watching right now. What's up, Jessica? <laughs> so Terminal when you, A, baby. When you go there, When you go there and you strike up a conversation with someone and people ask what you do. Like, I hate it when people ask, so what do you do? Because I don't want to answer them because they immediately want to start talking politics. Yeah. Immediately. And I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about your feelings on Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Yeah. Like, I don't. I'm just trying to sit here and relax and have a good time and have my whiskey. I've always thought, wouldn't it be easier if you just made up a lie? Yeah. And just said, okay. No, I'm, I've considered I'm it. I mean, shipping and receiving. Imports, <laughs> exports. Yeah. Like, you know, Art I'm Mandalay. I'm That would be easy. But what I get is, I get people, I, so people ask me, what is it? What do you do? I say, well, I'm in live entertainment. What does that mean? I do stand-up comedy. Mm, you that's, like, that's a good one. You do, so like, you're the person on stage. I get that all the time. So you're like the guy on stage. I was checking into a hotel last week, and she goes, so why are you in town? And uh, it was me and Phil were traveling. And Phil always travels with me. Phil and Bam Bam are always with me. And Phil goes, um, Phil goes, uh, he's got a show tonight over at the Stardome. She goes, are, are you on stage? And I was like, yeah. She goes, not, you're not like an audience member. I was like, <laughs> why would I say that we're going to, I have a show. I, I'm like, in town for a show. I'm in town to visit a show. <laughs> now, but yeah, I'm, I'm on stage. I get that a lot. People are like, so you're, you do what? I'm like, I'm a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Like I stand up and do comedy. Yeah. And people are like, on, on the stage? Yeah. Well, that's I don't a- know if that's a foreign concept to people, or the idea of getting on a stage in front of others. I don't know. Well, I think that they, they think like, oh my gosh, I'm meeting someone famous. No, I don't think so. I think they think I'm meeting somebody poor. <laughs> they think I'm meeting somebody who's like going to do an open mic night. And, <laughs> and this guy, bless his heart, we should pray for him. And maybe buy him lunch. See, that's e- that's easy. You have it easier than I do, because you can just say stand up comedian, and that that doesn't say you don't have to say what well, political it, ideology you're affiliated with or of, anything like that. Sort of, because as the conversation goes on, one hundred percent of the time, it comes the topic comes up, especially if I'm sitting at the bar and the bartenders know me, Jessica, and says <laughs> he's got a great TV show. Oh, because it and so Jessica, stop doing that. It's, Don't no, do that, no, Jessica. Jessica, you're fine. You are perfect. You're a perfect human being. <laughs> I love you very much, and uh, she's so good. And all right, th- she is so good, so good, Jessica. <laughs> My goodness. And um, listen, if you're ever in Terminal A, A twenty five, there at. Uh, uh, George Bush, Houston Interna- Intercontinental Airport. You go by and you tell Jessica I said hi. Jessica, I'll, prob- I'll probably be sitting there. Jessica has a good pour. She's solid. I like that. She's solid. But anyway, um, 
you know, inevitably somebody will say, what kind of TV show? I'll say, well, right. it's on The Blaze. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. you get that. Oh. oh, if you tell them you're on The Blaze, usually that's that <laughs> pops right off. You know, know, you know where they stand either way. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. You get that. They um, either go, oh, I love Glenn Beck. And they're like, so you're like a podcaster? Yeah, yeah, like that. And yeah, you get that. Yeah, yeah. You get that. But what's funny is more times than not, in those conversations with strangers, I will, uh, I find more people that agree with me than don't. Depends on where we are. But at the same time, I'm a liberal. I, I'm, not, I'm not a progressive but I, I really am an, I am a classical liberal. I think of myself that way. Really? I really do. I don't. I really do. Like I, I don't, I, based on your, what you preach and your ideologies, I just. I'm a classical liberal. That doesn't match up to me. I know, deep down, I'm probably a classical liberal. I really don't care what a person does. I'm maybe libertarian. We yeah, could go that there. would be. Maybe a libertarian. I, that's such a loosely defined thing. Like I, I really, I'm very, I don't care what you do with your life unless you kill your baby. Like that, that's really. Mm -hmm. That's the cutoff for me. I'm going to fight you on that. I'm going to really try to protect your unborn child. Mm -hmm. And that for me is a conviction. A lot of people, that's a big one that pisses a lot of people off. But I'm sorry. That's just how I'm wired. I love babies. In the womb or out. I love babies. Had a lot of them. Held a lot of them. And babies love me back. Don't want no more. But I want them to be born. So, but other than that, I don't care what you do with your life. I really don't. I, and I get along with everybody. So there was this thing that happened this past week that we never got a chance to talk about uh, with Scott Adams, who is the creator of Dilbert, the cartoon deal. And uh, this is a perfect example of me saying, we get thrown this narrative. I don't care what you do with you. I, you know, and Scott Adams just had this very strong opinion about this, what was it, a Rasmussen poll? Where uh, it yeah. said that, what was it, 40%? Yeah, we got the, we got the clip. You, you got the it. clip. Almost I, half. Yeah. It was like a Rasmussen poll where, mm -hmm. where basically it says that blacks. Nearly half of blacks. Nearly half of blacks say that white people are. It's not okay to be white. Not okay to be white. Mm -hmm. And so Scott, who has you know been in hot water before, again, he's, he's pretty outspoken. He's a cartoonist. Now he's getting canceled. USA Today has now said no more Dilbert uh, cartoons in there. And this is what he had to say that was so controversial. Play that clip. Rasmussen asked, you know, white and black voters, and, and probably others, uh, do you disagree or agree with the statement, it's okay to be white? 26% of blacks said uh, no. <laughs> it's not okay to be white. 21% weren't sure. Add them together, that is 47% of black respondents were not willing to say it's okay to be white. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. <laughs> Just get the fuck away. <laughs> All right. So you hear that and you go, well, maybe he's got a point. If if 26, if 30% of black people, 26% of black people say it's not okay to be white and another 21% don't know the answer to that. So we're roughly at 45% here, you know, 47%. And you go, okay, mm, well... 
it's a Rasmussen poll. They probably ask 100 people. Mm. I think I looked it up. I believe it was about 1,000 people total. Okay, so 1,000, 21% of 1,000 people, which is a good group of people to ask. Yeah. How diverse that group was, how they went about selecting that. Well, I mean, I don't they were know. black. I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> I mean, I assume they were black, but I'm just talking about, I don't know what their socioeconomic right. status right. was. I don't know what their background, what I don't know what their familial of, yeah, deal is. I don't know what their country. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you ask that. Now me, you ask me, I don't want to be black. I don't want to be Hispanic. I don't want to be anyone else but me. Right. I don't want to be Dwayne Johnson. I don't want to be anybody But else. that's not what the question was. That wasn't what the question was. So I get that in that it's interpreting, it's how you interpret that question. Is it okay to be white? You know, you ask the average black person, you want to be white? They're going to say no. You ask the average white person, do you want to be black? They're going to say no. You want to be what you are. Because that's all you've ever known. Mm. That's just a simple sociological fact. You, you're used to being what you are. We talked about this on your show Monday. Mm-hmm. People tend to congregate around groups of people that they can relate to. And once you get outside of that village, that tribe, whatever you want to call it, that community of like-mindedness, you kind of don't know what to do. That's where prejudice comes from. Because you send me down into the hollers in Kentucky or West Virginia, I'm probably not going to relate so well to that white bread either. You know, because I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know? I don't have a I don't have a recipe for moonshine. I don't know any of that stuff. I'd like one though. Yeah, I actually do have a good recipe, but um, <laughs> it's been a few years. But I, I'm just saying, once you get outside of your control group, you, you tend to be a little uncomfortable. But that's not really the way the world works. I don't walk into a restaurant and look around going, "Mm, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. It's not okay to be that person. And again, it's not, do you want to be that? It's, is it okay to be that? Right. Right. And that was the difference there. Right. Well, and again, imagine that the, the other, the flip side was asked and they asked white people if it's okay to be black. If it's okay to be black. That would be, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the responses that said yes? It would be, what, 99% yeah. and then 1% of Ku Klux Klan members? <laughs> I, I, You're I, not I, just, wrong. I can't imagine a world in which yeah. white people would be like, no, it's not okay to be black. So Scott Adams, was he dumb in his statement? It was very poorly worded, but he was his, his, the intention behind it wasn't wrong. I agree. And, and that's where, that's ultimately my foundation or where I'm headed to with that conclusion, I should say, not foundation, but... Um, is to look at that and say, I get what he's saying. If you don't, if you don't think it's okay for me to be me, then I'm not going to be around you. Right. And that's for anybody. I don't care if you, what color your skin is. I mean, th- listen, <laughs> I got a lot of people who hate my guts. A lot of white people <laughs> that don't care much for me. And I'm just not going to hang around those people. Well, it, I know you got to take a break. It's just so sad to me because it's like, I, you guys are all missing the plot. You've lost the plot. The point is that these this survey results indicates we have a really big problem in this country. Yeah. And now all the hell you guys are talking about is what Scott Adams said in reference to that really big glaring problem in the country. We really should... Look at the fact that 26% of those polled said it's not okay to be another color. (laughs) That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And we have a narrative out there. And we'll go to break in a minute, guys. We good? We have a narrative. We have a narrative that's being perpetrated and pushed and promoted Mm. that says that's okay. Yep. 
because, and I, I staunchly believe, since Barack Obama was president, I thought we were on a good track. Mm -hmm. I really thought America was on a good track in terms of race relations. Barack Obama set that back 60 years. Mm -hmm. And here we are. We have a media that sucked his balls and kissed his ass. And now they've continued with that same nonsense. They've pushed it. They've made, you know, they've, they've made police officers evil. They've made, and again, we've, we refuse to address the real problems of society across the board and look at them. Instead, it's, it's the white man's fault. It's right. the black man's fault. It's the, the man's fault. It's all these, instead of truly addressing the issues. But those are, it's easier to blame than it is to solve those issues. Right so much to say all right all right all right sarah we'll all go right. to break don't okay. look at me like that <laughs> buy gold get a free safe to store it in that's right on qualifying purchases from birch gold group now through march 31st they will ship a free safe directly to your door text chad i spell it chad to 989898 get your free info kit on gold and claim eligibility for your free safe so here's the deal the feds keep raising rates because it's the only tool they must keep inflation under control and it's not working you can't spend your way out of inflation you have seen the impact on the stock market you've seen the impact on your savings hedge inflation by owning gold whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an ira in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax sheltered retirement account birch gold has an a plus rating with the better business bureau and thousands of satisfied customers so text chad to 989898 for your free info kit on gold to claim eligibility for your free home safe by march 31st on qualifying purchases again text chad to 989898 be right back Isn't it weird though that we're that we turn these stories into these big deals like the scott adams things nobody thinks about the dilbert cartoon and then all of a sudden boom the guy says something dumb and it's you know he's supposedly representative of something that we got to make an example out of him mm -hmm. you know the guy said what he said it was poorly worded but i get the point of what he was trying to say you know and, and to my point is what i was saying earlier is you know 74 percent of black homes are fatherless you're not going to just change that like that that's not an easy quick fix right again but i still blame the government i blame the society that we live in i believe I, the, the external pressures on the black community uh the things that, that have been promised to them it, again in many ways they've believed in a lie and now it's perp perpetuated this so much crap out there and and the lies that have been told to say that you know your neighbor is evil and and somebody that's not the same skin color of you or somebody that wears a certain type of uniform they must be inherently evil and that's not to negate what those of other races minorities or anything have been through they have been through a lot but you you know again how, how are we going to get past it if we don't address it and deal with it because now as you stated we got a big problem got a real big problem yeah yeah i you know i've i this is something that i frequently talk about uh the problems in the black community the fatherless homes all of the things that you just mentioned the black on black crime you know they're killing each other in the streets of chicago every single day and we're not nobody wants to talk about it nobody wants to address it and i'm told by uh black people and I the black community whatever you want to call them whenever i say something like that 
um, that I need to mind my own business and focus on all of my people who are coming in through the country and bringing in drugs and, you know, all of all of the things that illegal immigrants are do and it, it, illegal immigrants do. And it just it's very sad to me that we seem to have lost objectivity in this country. Right. Because I I can say. Yeah, I disagree with all of those things, too. I actually think all of these illegal immigrants should be back over the border uh, wherever they came from. I don't agree with them being here either. But two things can be true at once. And it just is so bizarre to me that we just lack objectivity anymore. You're just supposed to like you've got your one myopic way of thinking and your lens and you can't be objective when it comes to calling out your own territory. And I think politically we do that too, Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, I think you have to tend to your own house, you do. But but see, the fact that we compartmentalize our problems and then call ourselves this melting pot of a society, yeah. we're not a melting pot anymore no. at all. We, we have failed to embrace um, any form of assimilation, whether mm -hmm. it's people coming into this country or, you know, and again, we've lost the American dream. We've lost the ideal, uh, you know. Would you say that assimilation is required for a cohesive society? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you go back and read some of what different historical figures and presidents have said about that, uh, who was it? Franklin Roosevelt, who said, if you're going to immigrate into this country and you do it legally, uh, you will not only receive the full benefits of being an American citizen, but we will treat you just as much as, uh, as an American citizen that you are. But as long as you do it legally and you must be willing to come in and embrace the American way of life to the full extent. Now, that would be considered hate speech today. Yeah. And that was a very socialist Franklin Roosevelt. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you would have to you would have to. You know, the idea of that, of saying, OK, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to come in or we're going to deal with our societal problems. We've so compartmentalized the problems that we don't want to deal with them as a whole, because at the end of the day, yes, this may be a problem in the black community. And they say to you, OK, and I hate that phrase, the black community, because that's another way of compartmentalizing. I know, I know. That, and that's why I I, yeah. I stuttered when I brought yeah, that yeah. up earlier. And, and you and I have talked like, about I don't this know what before. To say. I hate it because because I don't think of it that right. way. But it, there's no other way with the vocabulary, the, the limitations of it that right. we have. So when I look at that, that's another way of compartmentalizing. And I hate again, I go back to labeling compartmentalizing marginalizing <clears throat> so when you say black community it labels because that's, that's a broad right that's broad right and you look at all of these things and you go okay you you tell they tell you you deal with your problems <laughs> well i would love to but your problems spill over into my life mm -hmm. my problems spill over into your life mm -hmm. Because because we don't live across walls from each other. We live across the street from each other. Right. And and we're supposed to share this society. Yeah. And we're supposed to make sure that we're perpetuating a legacy for our children and grandchildren together. And so if we're gonna continue to be at each other's throats and and focus on the differences, as I said, I'm very accepting. I'll party with anybody. I'll buy you a drink. I'll buy your dinner. I will I will sit down with you. Uh, I will come to your house. You can come to mine. We will fellowship, man. By God, we'll sit over five pounds of crawfish and have a good time. But then all of a sudden, you start telling me what I got to do to respect you. I got to use your pronouns. I got to, you know, honor whatever gender insanity you're dealing with right now. Or, you know, I, I, you're trying to indoctrinate my kids with something or you're dragging somebody else's kids to a, you know, a, a sexualized entertainment mm -hmm. 
program. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to push back. Now, people are going to say, well, you're being divisive. I'm not being fucking divisive. I'm not. I'm not. I'm protecting values that you should be, that you should care about too, because I've seen the future and I've seen how that road ends. I've seen what it leads to and it goes to destruction. And that's for you. I'm telling you that the path you're on is not a healthy one. When you got, we talked about it on Tuesday show, when you got that transgender person, the guy who's standing there in front of the mirror taking a selfie and you're talking to the thing saying, if you come in here and you mispronoun me, F you, and all this kind of stuff, bro, I get that you're confused right now. And I feel bad for you. But this road you're on ain't a happy one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's division there, to be clear, but the the... Division was created by those who seek to fundamentally transform the country. Which, again, was stated by Barack Obama. That mm-hmm. that was his goal. Right. He wanted to fundamentally transform the country. Oh, and that he did. And that he did. I mean, he fundamentally transformed. Look, look, at, look at who Joe Biden used to be and look who he is today. I'm not sure that's the same person, so that's not a Well, that's comparison. true. But look at the person they're <laughs> purporting to be. Because Joe Biden used to say he's always said dumb things but he used to say things a certain way with a certain agenda as a senator and now he is a progressive puppet who's being told what to say Mm -hmm. and the stuff he's saying today the words coming off the teleprompter are not the same logic as what was said in the 80s yeah okay so you look at that it's like we see the politicians that have been there for 50 years they've been fundamentally changed they don't even look at America the same way. Look at, look at the Clintons. Look at what Hillary Clinton said. Look, what I, look at what all of them said about gay marriage and then what they say today. Yeah. Did, did they suddenly just get woke? Why aren't their words ever held against them? Why aren't they held accountable for the things they said in the past? Why isn't Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton being, being held accountable for eulogizing Robert Byrd, who was the grand poobah in the KKK? You know? Why? You would be. Well... Because they never hold themselves to their own standards. It's not about the standard. It's just about winning to them. Yeah. And, and, they'll, and they'll, they take care of each other. They cover over right. each other's sins. Right. And just do it. You know, whitewash it. I mean, <laughs> the justification process that goes into all of this stuff to make it all okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Clinton is a philanderer and a womanizer. I mean, you know, what's up? What's <laughs> up? <laughs> I mean, Wait, listen. What? I mean, what's up? This just you took know? a turn. I mean, all right. I, I mean, <laughs> I've been accused of things, but what else? You know. Chad says, but "Don't also, don't hate the player, hate the game." Hate the game. I'm not president <laughs> of the United States. You know. No, but seriously, Bill Clinton did what he did, and he kept saying, "I didn't do that. I didn't do that." And they were like, "Yeah, you did." And he's like, "I didn't do that. Did not do that. I swear." Oh, you meant that. And then it was like, you did that. And then when it came out that he did that, then all of his people were like, yeah, he did it. But what's so wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, we, we know we didn't do it, but then he did it. And then we're like, oh, wait. I mean, but yeah, but it was just that. Right. It was just that. It could have been more. I mean, he could have done a whole lot more. Right. But pff, he just, let's just leave it at that. Um, and so, again, there's justification for all this stuff. 
Because they don't actually care. <laughs> they don't care. It's not a value they have. It's, it's not. just about winning. So we see that fundamental change. We see this. Uh, is, there's a, uh, I talked about it earlier this week. There's a fundamental change on what we perceive as truth, what we perceive as reality, what we perceive as um, um, uh, order and peace. And, you know, again, we think as long as the lights are on, air conditioner's running, we got Wi-Fi and all that stuff, we got peace. That is not... You'd be living in total chaos, have all that stuff. Mm. And we are. We are in a mental, spiritual chaos right now with what we're doing because this country and its values have fundamentally been transformed. We're at each other's throats. They've divided us by all the things they can divide us with. I go back to Richard Pryor. You know, Richard Pryor said, you know, said, you know, what do you wish that the media would stop talking about? I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I wish they'd stop talking about racism. And he's like, why? And he said, because as long as they keep talking about that, we're going to keep focusing on it. And it's going to be a reality mm-hmm. you know it's like if you look at a if you look at a two-year-old and say don't push that red button do not touch that red button as soon as you leave the room they're gonna walk over there and touch that red button mm-hmm. because you pointing out something that they weren't even know they were you know morgan freeman has made similar comments morgan as well. freeman yes you know when he did that interview with who was it uh blah 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 um on 60 minutes about black history month mm-hmm and he's like, do you want a white history month? And he goes, right. well, I'm Jewish. And he goes, do you want a Jewish history month? He's like, no. no. Goes, Why do I want a black history month? Yeah. I, you don't want that. Um, you know. So anyway, don't worry. Racism has been uh, ended now because Scott Adams is canceled. That's the bottom line. Yay. The guy that wrote a really bad cartoon Dilbert's not a funny cartoon. It's just not a good. I never liked Dilbert <laughs> as a cartoon, but we've gotten rid of it. Derek Chauvin is in prison. Thank God. Derek Chauvin is in prison. The statues have been torn down. Mm. Uh, Scott Adams isn't drawing a, a, an office figure, <laughs> uh, the guy that goes to the office every day. None of that's happening. Racism is over with. So, you know what? Maybe they should take another Rasmussen poll. <laughs> And maybe there'll be a less percentage of blacks who say it's not okay to be white. Maybe mm. we'll get it down to like 8%. Mm. I'm, I'm sure that having canceled a cartoonist, they will get that 26% down to about, you know, low teens at least. Right. Low teens. Yeah. Problem solved, Sarah. We did it. We did it. I wish I knew what I was talking about. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. All right, we talked about this earlier in the week. I want to talk about it again. If you missed Tuesday's episode, well, you need to go back and watch it. It was heavy. It was heavy, folks. But I want to uh, I want to revisit a story that we talked about in that because 
if you've ever met a leftist who just wants to sit you down and give you a little history lesson, my advice is to keep one hand over your wallet because you're about to get taken in. Now, sometimes on this show, we deal with stories that aren't as cut and dried as we might like. I, I do that because most of you are adults, and I don't need to spoon feed you with clear and present examples every single time. In short, you can handle a little ambiguity, I think. So with that in mind, let's climb into the Chinese spy balloon of the mind and take a float over to the now famous Fairfax County, Virginia, and have a listen to a school board member by the name of Arar Amish. Brandon, throw up that video, will ya? Uh, w- there's also a lot of history in February. Uh, you know, I, a number of community members reached out to me just a few days ago was Japanese Day of Remembrance, something for us to certainly reflect on as we learn our history and, and, and think about it. Uh, the days when, you know, Iwo Jima uh, unfortunately happened and, and set a record for really what... Uh, hate to say human evil is capable of and so that's something just to remember uh, especially actually in advance of Holocaust Remembrance Day which is coming up and just so many moments for us to think about what human beings are capable of uh, and how we can turn turn the tide and turn the trajectory to make sure that we're building better for the next generation oh yeah the evils of Iwo Jima uh, now the ambigu- ambiguity of which I spoke is pretty thin, but let's let's give the devil his due and assume for the moment that we don't know for sure whether she was referring to atrocities committed by the Japanese or by the Americans, uh, just for the sake of argument. What you'd be forgiven for in an instance of not knowing for sure would be your lack of context, because Obrara Mish has, shall we say, a history of making remarks that pretty well clearly outline her view on the world. It wasn't all that long ago that she referred to Israel, for example, as an apartheid state for which she neither backed down nor apologized when a couple hundred thousand Jewish people in the area were outraged. In a keynote address to graduates graduates from Justice High School in Falls Church, she informed the students that they were entering a world full of, quote, racism, extreme versions of individualism and capitalism and white supremacy, end quote. So now that you have context, where do you think she probably lands on the issues of atrocities committed on the island of Iwo Jima? Folks, the rewriting of history is nothing new in this old world. In fact, it's kind of funny to think about it because that phenomenon actually is a part of the study of history. We're all aware of the saying that history is written by the victors, and that's because it very frequently is. But what ought to be the second part of that statement is that history is rewritten in real time by those who wish to be the victors, usually in pursuit of that very thing. Ask yourself this question. Why is it that the left is so desperate to rewrite American history and paint our country in the worst possible light at every turn? Why do we have things like the 1619 Project, for example, which makes claims about American racism in the main and American slavery specifically, which fundamentally and provably aren't true? George Orwell answered it best in 1984 when he coined one of the primary operant phrases for the infamous party in charge. He said, who controls the past controls the future. If the left can get just far enough under your skin to begin getting you to believe that certain truths you've always clung to are wrong, then they seize the reins of power within your mind. And that is the ultimate victory bar none. The tricky thing to have to deal with from our perspective is that the edifice of history truly is slippery in places. Not everything that you and I believe about our own history is probably accurate. And when those inaccuracies arise, it's our duty to accept that and move forward with a more accurate image of what really happened. 
That's not what's being done when someone like this lady refers to the atrocities committed on Iwo Jima. And it's not what's being done with things like the 1619 Project either. What we're seeing here is confirmation bias in its most naked form, and we can't succumb to it or everything we and those who came before us, those who died at Iwo Jima, for instance, everything we fought for will be lost, and that's just unacceptable. I'm giving a keynote speech for the Abbeville Institute for their 20-year anniversary in Pine Mountain, Georgia, um, in April. And that means I'm going to be giving a keynote to a lot of historians, a lot of Mm -hmm. Southern historians. I'm intimidated because you get around these guys. I would be too. And let me tell you something. They don't put up with the revisionist bullshit at (laughs) all. They read the original documents. Yeah. We've had Brian McClanahan on this show. He's the president of the Abbeville Institute. We've had him on this show a few times. And I've asked Brian, I'm like, how do you determine what is right in history? Like, how do you, you've written all these books. He goes, I study the original documents. Mm-hmm. Most people can't even read the original documents because you don't want to go through the, the chicken scratch of the writing and try to figure out what was being scripted there. But he's like, I read the original documents. I read the transcripts. I read the manuscripts. I read these things. And, and I go from there. It's not what somebody's t- t- told me. Right. I read this stuff. And so, you know, we have these ideas of what happened in history. And when you get around men like and women, like these historians that I'm talking about, and they start telling you, and you go, hmm, yeah, we really have revised and whitewashed history in a big way. Mm-hmm. Scary to think about. Mm-hmm. We don't even know our past. Don't even know our past. So there ain't no way to know the future. And there's sure to God no way to know how we're supposed to get along with each other if we don't even really realize it. I, I can tell you this about history. I can tell you this about history, sir. People ain't never changed. They ain't never changed. They're always been the same. You think they didn't have assholes in 1776? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson and John Adams thought each other were assholes. They didn't get along at all. Right? Yeah. So... Um, you know, we look back at with these like they were wearing these little, you know, patriotic halos. <laughs> and not everybody got along so well. I mean, Alexander Hamilton basically ruined our country. Um, that's a Brian McClanahan book. Everybody's how how Alexander Hamilton screw up screwed up America. You should read that book. You read these things, you're like, yeah, there ain't no way we're gonna get along with each other. We don't know what America is anymore. Especially when you got people like that sitting on school boards calling the atrocities of Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, let's just quit. Yeah, I was just thinking about how uplifting yeah. this has all been. Let's just quit. <laughs> okay. I'm done with it. Listen, black people don't like me. I was living for that, by the way. I was really hoping more that black bl- people, people liked would me. like you. Were you, gonna you were planning your every move based on whether or not black people would accept you and like you? <laughs> I mean... I, I don't know. I hang, we hang out at my shows and I go, you know, I'm, I never really thought about that until somebody told me they had a problem with me. <laughs> somebody told me that someone else had a problem with me. Like, again, turn off the TV, turn off social media, turn off the news media and stuff like that. And you might discover that you actually have a lot in common and you get along with each other. Like this stuff that we talk about on the show is just not the reality that I live in in my life. I guess that's why I smile about it and kind of laugh about it because I'm like, you guys are creating a whole reality that I just don't think exists. Yeah, but the problem is that I don't think that that's how it is for the other side. They don't They don't just, I mean, obviously, they don't just smile and laugh about it, right? Like you have culture that's changing. You have black 
families telling their young children that they are oppressed and that they should hate the white man and well when you have you're smiling and laughing they're not no they're not and when you have uh it's a serious issue there's no question about it but i mean again when you have again you have black babies that are being born to teenage mothers and they're being raised without a father and they're being raised with by their grandparents Mm -hmm. and grandparents do remember jim crow america Mm -hmm. and they're being told those stories in light of what they lived through and what they experienced it's kind of hard to get out of that narrative and say again i i've i've seen racism in my life i grew up in georgia you can't not see it okay i grew up in the deep south i saw it i witnessed it i didn't like it um i'm still facebook friends with some of my earliest childhood friends you know we still are buddies Mm -hmm. to this day um and you know it it didn't cross my mind that they had a different color skin than me when we were playing on the playground together i didn't realize that honestly I, i wasn't hit full in the face with it until i got to college you know as an athlete playing sports and you know you you don't think about it's like if I'm on second base and you're supposed to drive me in and we're playing in the state playoffs, I don't care what color you are. Mm-hmm. I just hope you can hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I and then think about stuff like that. And so I just know that my our generation came along. We don't think the way older generations. We were taught not to. Yeah. My parents taught me to respect everybody. Yep. And, and, and be gracious with everybody. So now we're being thrust back into this thing and accused of something that we're simply not guilty of. It doesn't mean everybody's not guilty of it, but by and large, we're not. So anyway, but again, by all means, let's say that the Marines that stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima, 5,000 that died, they were committing an atrocity. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. All right, hang tight. Be right back. And if you were concerned about race relations in America, (laughs) the president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, play the clip. And by the way, you know, I'm not, I I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. (laughs) I know where the power is. I know where the, you think I'm joking. I learned a long time ago about the divine nine. I'm not joking. (laughs) what did i just watch yeah i know where the power is Mm. oh my gosh joe biden ladies and gentlemen off prompter i i wow i still genuinely can't believe what i just watched yeah i may be a white boy but i'm not stupid i beg to differ (laughs) (laughs) i beg to differ (laughs) <laughs> and every time Joe's in a black church, he wants to talk about growing up in a black church. Why does it got to be a black church? Why can't it just be the church? So that's, I go back. I don't like that. Just like in a black community, you know? Well, and, and again, again, American churches, that's the most segregated place in, in America every Sunday morning. So the black church, I grew up in the black church. No, you didn't, Joe. Well, that's, yeah. That's why he can say, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. You ain't black. Still don't. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, are you prepared for another pandemic? No. Karine Jean-Pierre says it's coming. No. She said, well, she says you prepare for it. No. Yeah. Hey, play that clip. Who knows? Who knows what the future may hold? Don't want to get into hypotheticals from here, uh, but we need to be prepared uh, for the potentially another pandemic. Do we? 
No. Do we? No. I mean, since so much disinformation was peddled out in the mm-hmm. last one, mm-hmm. sorry if your uh, your threats, warnings, and precautions fall on somewhat deaf ears. I mean, they want to kill us. There's no doubt about it. Well, what I'm hearing from her is, well, we uh, seek the opportunity to seize more power that we shouldn't have. So we are going to concoct something so that we can uh, make Americans fearful enough to allow us to seize that power again. I mean, you never know. You never know. I mean, you never know when a a 7.1 earthquake is going to level cities, you know, and kill 50,000 people in Syria or Turkey. But what are we supposed to walk around in fear because the administration told us to? You know, I mean, it's incredible. I, I'm kind of not going to do that. They use that. They try to use that lever to yeah. get what they want. This stuff, everything that we've talked about, everything that I've talked about is, is just another way to peddle fear. Mm-hmm. Whether it's race relations or that's why I say I don't live in that world. I just don't live in that world. And maybe it's because I'm so well-traveled and I've been all over the world and I've, I've been in situations where most people probably should have been a little bit nervous about where they were. Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't look at my world as something I'm supposed to be afraid of all the time. Mm. I, I tend to get pissed off before I get scared. Yeah. You know? I worry about others. I don't really worry about me. Maybe I should. I don't know. They tell me I should. Karine Jean-Pierre just said I should. Yeah, I mean, the left thinks you should worship yourself. Well, of course I'm, you should care about lot. yourself. Listen, here's you the should make line. yourself the most important thing, no matter what. Here's the bottom line: I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know where the power is, <laughs> and that's just I'm just going to live that way. You know? Yeah. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. I know where the power is. I might put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'll wear that T-shirt. Please don't. Make it purple and gold or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't Don't think so? No. Okay. But if you do, don't sell it at What are you doing this weekend? You going to some drag shows? (laughs) You going to rescue some kids? I mean, that's what I do most weekends, so probably. Yeah? I can't can't say exactly where because... How many outfits do you have? I have quite the extensive wig collection at this point. Yeah, I just ordered a wig. Yeah. I told you I ordered a new wig. Yeah, you I got did. a new Jesus wig. I hope they send it to me. I bought it from Europe. I'm assuming it's from Europe because they spelled color C-O-L-O-U-R. Well, it's either from that or a Chinese factory that they harvested it from a Muslim. So. They could have. They might, it might be Uyghur hair. Yeah. Great. It could It'll be. It'll be fresh, though. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, soft and silky, but we'll see. But I want to do some sketches. I, I, I definitely want to do a Jesus sketch where... You know, they give him Chick-fil-A and he doesn't like it. <laughs> that is really funny. It is a funny idea. I mean, it's, I think that'll be a funny sketch. It's Jesus chicken, right? right yeah. That's what they call it. Yeah. And um, what if Jesus doesn't like Chick-fil-A? We don't know. We've never asked him. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't like nuggies. I feel like he would be polite about it, though. So, I'm, so? I'm, 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 I'm interested to see how the sketch plays out. I have, it's going to be a funny sketch. Okay. I have a big thing that I want to do. Okay. There's a few sketches that we've let kind of slip because we've been busy, but there's a yes. couple of sketches we need to do. Yeah. That I think are good. That's going to be very entertaining for our audience, uh, Sarah. Add that onto the plate of the 10 million things that we're already doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, yeah, uh, I'm in San Antonio tonight, so... You're in San Antonio, across the street, over to Sam's Burger Joint. Join us, grab a ticket. 
we're going to kick that thing off about eight o'clock and uh then tomorrow night well the rest of the weekend doesn't matter sold out shows <laughs> doesn't matter baton rouge tacoa nashville georgia next week um chadpratherlive.com we're not done just yet we're gonna take a quick break be right back Uh, you know what I've discovered is on Facebook is you have all these people who, you know, get the, you know forgive me for commenting here, but I would love for you to send me friend request, you yeah. know, how they come in all the threads. Yeah. I think what they've learned to do, these Nigerians have learned to hack into people's unused Facebook accounts that mm. they haven't logged into in years and years. And so they've just kind of been left unsecured. Mm-hmm. Block. <laughs> Immediately, oh. as soon as I see them. Of, I block of course, 100%. I probably shouldn't be involved as, as involved with my own social media as I am. But I have no other recourse. Of I'd have a lot of time back on my hands if oh I just God. backed away from about that. that. How much? It, it's it's like a full time job managing yeah. all the different social medias. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Speaking of that, I need you to subscribe to two different things. One is free and one is not. <laughs> one, if you've never subscribed to my YouTube channel right now and you're watching it, you happen to be right there on YouTube. Go to my page. Boop click subscribe that's free second thing is uh, cost you some money but it's worth every penny chad mm-hmm. prather on blaze tv go to blaze tv.com slash chad use promo code chad sign up and get overtime special guest tomorrow we'll see you there bye <laughs>